Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Jesus said in verse 36, a man's foes will be they of his own household. So whatever you have going on in your life isn't necessarily what the person sitting next to you has got challenging them. But Jesus said, and this is so powerful, back in verse 32, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness with me, and that's what we're all about this year, unity and the oneness with God, because we pray to God in the name of Jesus, don't we? And we say thank you, and instantly we're there. God lives in the thanks, in the praises of his people. There's no need for any one of us to have a bad day. A bad day gets turned around to be a good day. Amen? So he says, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. In other words, when you say, I'm a citizen of heaven, and Jesus is my Lord, Jesus will confess you. He'll acknowledge you in heaven. And my core value is honoring heaven. And I struggled a lot of the time before Andrew Chua, who is the founder of the Authentic Lives course, and some of you were at the barn this last few days. And there's something about going to places of destiny. There's something about going to places where there's an anointing. Often I'm um, I'm actually from Norwich in Norfolk, and I go up to the Julian cell there, where Julian was an anchorite from the 1300s. And she stayed in this place and just prayed. And it's something for me. Not everybody may get the same thing, but God will give you places to go. It might be the beach. It might be a mountain. It might be fishing. He'll give you places where he knows you and him meet, and it's alone time. And that's really crucial. Okay, um, and it's crucial to find out who you are in him. And I feel like last week was kind of a spontaneous flow, the way the Holy Spirit just orchestrated things. But I just, I want to say this as we continue to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything. Not every one of us is super sensitive. Okay, I don't mean touchy, I don't mean... <gasps> You know, you can't come near me and keeping my distance and arrogance. I'm talking about sensitivity to God. Okay? Sensitive to him when you don't always feel like he's there. Knowing him because he's God and he's promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. Never. Okay? So I want to... um, Read on a little bit more here in Matthew 10. Because Jesus is being very clear about acknowledging who is in heaven and confessing, I'm abiding in him. If Jesus is in you, he's confessing in heaven, before heaven, that heaven is with you to help you. So you're not alone. Then he says in verse 33, But whoever denies and disowns me before men, I also will deny and disown him before my Father who's in heaven. You know, there's a time, I think, when we shift from being kind of nervous about declaring 
who Jesus is in our lives. To a time when we actually say boldly and openly before the throne of grace and before men, you know, I am a Christian. I am a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and I'm proud of it. And God is smiling upon me. And if you've never seen God smiling upon you, you probably never run a race or rode a boat or taken a dog for a walk or done something that you love doing, walking the beach. I love walking the beaches wherever I am. There's something that happens to me on a beach. I, I can't explain it. I don't have to. I just know I get there and I open up. See, so whatever you do to open up, ride a bike, ride a horse, I don't know, open yourself up to the Lord because he will, he will minister to you. He will minister for you in the heavenly places. And I think it's quite easy to be naturally um, swayed because we're citizens of heaven, but we live in this world. But Jesus said, don't think that I've come to bring peace upon the earth. Wow, that's a heavy revelation. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so I want to give you a word for this month. In January, we looked at persistent faith. In February, we looked at blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. But I want to give you a word for this month that you may not particularly like at first. It's war. Okay? I'm learning to live my life according to the Hebraic calendar. And this is a time, Adar, this is a time that goes on for several weeks where we need to press into our destinies. The reason we encourage the teams in the church, the groups in the church to come up to the barn is because it's a place of destiny. And your destiny will be touched. The reason we encourage you to do the things we do, because we're not just church as normal. I grew up in an Anglican church, so don't look at me like that. Okay? I grew up with the sit-down, stand-up, and the rules and the regulations. But when I went to America, to California, in 1978, I was taken up. I became born again, and two weeks later, I was taken up to heaven. And my life really changed. (laughs) Hello. And I became spirit-filled. My life really changed when people began to tell me that the word of God was active and alive. I mean, I'd, I'd gone to church. I'd heard scripture since I was a child. But I'd never understood how you can wield the sword of the Spirit. So Jesus said, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. He was the living word. He is the living word of God. And he came down into the earth. And there's no situation that you'll ever find yourself in. If you're a true believer and you read the word of God, you go into your Bible, that he won't show you what's going on. He won't guide you. So I noticed something last week when the Holy Spirit was ministering to me about the power of the Word and the Spirit being one. It's crucially important that you know the Word. But it's crucially important that you know how to be led by the Spirit. You've got to have both. And all those years ago when I went to California, they had the... um I'm trying to remember the name of the church, Ken Galaxy Church. 
the vineyard churches. And I used to love going there because it was all loving and sweet and people would rub your back. And I wasn't used to that in church. But anyway, it was very loving. But then I'd go to this other church called Covenant Center Faith Church and it would take me an hour to drive there. And I had at the time a white Corvette, so it was very posh. And I could hardly afford to drive up all that way to Simi Valley in this Corvette because it was a gas hog. And uh, so anyway, you know, all these people knew the word, knew the word, knew the word. And this guy would preach, and he preached hundreds of scriptures. And I'd be writing down so fast and turning the pages and scribbling in my Bible, and I'd go home, and it would take me the whole week to underline the scriptures and try and keep up with it. And all these people seemed to know the word. So there was this huge difference of the, all these Christians in this funny little church in an industrial, what do you call it, a strip mall, industrial estate. It was just kind of nothing to look at. But all these people were victorious, and they knew the word, and they knew, and they used to quote the word, and they used to speak the word, and they were almost like robots. And I used to think, oh my gosh, God, you've got to help me, you know, because I didn't know the word. Uh, but one of them said, no weapon, Isaiah thirty-four seventeen. no weapon formed against you will prosper. And I thought, fine, that's, that's cool. I'll go with that, you know. And I had just begun kind of learning it, because it's not reading the word and hearing the word, it's meditating on it. It's embracing it. It's thinking about it. It's walking Monday to Friday, Saturday. It's walking through your life thinking about the word of God. Huh? That's what it's about. It's about being in this world but not being of it because I'm not a citizen of this world. Therefore, I don't have to keep up with the fashion. I don't have to keep up with anything the world calls success. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I just have to walk with heaven in mind. And my prayer for you all today is that you have a fresh sensitivity. Come on. Just a wonderful, fresh sensitivity to knowing what God is saying in his word, but understanding what he's wanting to do in the spirit of where you're at. So a man's foes are those of his own household, Jesus said. So you've got foes I haven't necessarily got. I might have the same foes, but I might not. And, um, but I know that when you speak the word, <clears throat> you speak it in God's presence. It's like a bridge to eternity. And I know that the more word you have in you, the more of a covenant person you become, because by wisdom is a house built, but by understanding it's established. And I want to tell every one of you that you're not sitting on these chairs by accident. Somebody's been here before you, putting the chairs out for you, putting the speakers out for you, you know, making a way for us because the way maker wants to come. And last week it was kind of interesting for me because I hadn't stepped into that anointing to pray for people like that for a while. And I began to realize as I was praying for some people, they were speaking in tongues. And they were just fervent. Listen, I carry an anointing. I didn't ask for it. I was chosen. So all I know is when that comes on me, look out. Because it will 
most likely flatten you against the wall or on the floor. It'll do something. It'll change you because the anointing changes you into another person. But each one of you has an anointing and each one of you can learn how to carry and care for and release the anointing. But you know what? You can put your hand on some people and it's like putting your hand on this brick concrete here. Why? Because they're, they're passionately praying or they're like not open to receive from you. Listen, if you're looking at me anyway, you've got it wrong. Because I, Jesus said it, I can of myself do nothing. So when you come up for prayer, don't look at the person. Please. Okay, don't ever. When you come into worship, don't look at the musicians. Shut your eyes and go with your own worship before the throne room and tell God how wonderful he is, how awesome he is, how amazing he is. Tell him something about him that you know as a revelation. And as you do that, you know, <clears throat> let your real identity come. That's what this time is about. It's about our real, true identity coming forth and being seen. It's about the Holy Spirit in you, helping, guiding. So I wrote some notes down that things have just come to me this week. I'm going to share a few of them with you. Because... You know, it's kind of important to understand the word of the Spirit because what we have in the body of Christ, and especially in California, we have word churches and we have spirit churches. But, you know, something's happened in the last, whoopsie, the last few months that's been bringing things together the last few years. Huh? It's really good. It's like somebody, and I, I, I mean, church isn't about performance. Church is about us gathering together and being family. And it's crucial not to miss out on it. And I always ask people we have, you know, issues with, I say, well, what church do they go to? <laughs> and you find nine times out of ten they don't go. You know, am I getting weird on you? No, I'm just saying there's something about coming to church there's something about being in fellowship with like-minded believers. It's just something that God has intended. And uh, so I'm going to read you. Some of these thoughts might seem random, but actually they're tying into this word of war. Because if we want to be this person who's found persistent in faith, I am not in heaven, believe it or not. My head might be sometimes, but my feet are in the clay. My feet are here. Your feet are here. But I don't necessarily live here. Is that okay? Okay. So, I was asking God to bring me some help about two or three weeks ago because we need to birth something in to the spirit realm from to the natural. We need to birth in this new glory. We need to birth in our destinies. And this woman, Vicky, came from, I think she lives in Hawaii. Anyway, she came and prayed with me, and it was just great. It felt like old times, and I felt like it's not always that you want to be this intercessor person. You didn't choose it, you know, but God makes you to be a fine, sharp, threshing instrument having teeth. It's his choice. So, you know, you can't meet people in the natural and be overwhelmed 
you know, we all meet a lot of people, some famous, some rich, some influential, some poor. We all meet a lot of people, but every day we meet them, we need to discern who they are. And you need to remember, they have foes. They have foes of their own household. They have things going on. So I feel like we can get desensitized if we're not careful. And we need to get re-sensitized to the intimacy. Because unless you have intimacy with God, you know, what did he say to me one time in Colorado Springs? He said, private devotion brings public promotion. Private devotion, what you do on your own is what you do in public. And the more on your own you do with God, the more will happen in the natural. I know, and I know you know and sense, even people who aren't particularly godly sense something big, really big, is going to happen to the UK, is going to happen in Europe, is something really big. That is so great. That is so great. I mean, I forgot what I was telling you about this girl, girl coming, Vicky coming. And so she sent this to me the other day because she's been wanting me to read Chris Vallotton's book, Heavy Rain, which I've got somewhere at the barn. I just couldn't find it. Listen to this. He says, it is important for us to realize, along with apostolic mantles and strategic missions, it will also take unreasonable courage to break out of the secure prison of powerless religion. I'm going to read that again. It will also take unreasonable courage to break out of the secure prison of powerless religion and the mind, mindless thinking of the crowd. You know, you, you look on the buses and some of you know in the 60s I worked with the Beatles and they used to write songs to society that changed society. And it was amazing, but they used to understand the crowds and the mindless thinking. So we have to have, and this is a thing you can write down to pray, unreasonable courage. Unreasonable. Not here. Not here where we can think it out. I don't know how God's going to get me 800 million. I don't know how God's going to shift the music business, but I know he is. I have unreasonable courage. I have unreasonable faith. I have extraordinary faith. Unshakable. Unshakable. That's how you feel. Well, then you just pray it because I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know I feel it. I feel it on the inside of me. And that's the foe of my household that I've got to get up and get alone and pray. My dogs will shut up, be quiet. They do. I mean, everything will. It'll just be quiet. God will wake me up. But I know when I hear these girls and these guys playing and I hear you playing, God's going to do something remarkable. It's so remarkable. And it's to do with sound. And yet somehow it's to do with our clothes. It's to do with the visual and the invisible. Okay? So I'm going to read it again. Chris Valton from Heavy Rain, from his book. It is important for us to realize, along with apostolic mantles and strategic missions, it will also take unreasonable courage to break out of the secure 
prison of powerless religion. This is war. This is a war statement. And the mindless thinking of the crowd and move into the prevailing place of global influence. No weapon formed against us will prosper. No weapon. Father, I thank you as we enter into new places of worship, new places of prayer, new places in the Spirit, where the Spirit and the Word come together, that though we have foes in our own household, Father, you're going to teach us to go to war. You're going to teach our fingers to fight and our hands to do warfare. You're going to teach us because your destiny for our lives is victory in every single area. So we thank you that our prayers are catching up with us in the natural, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We praise you that we are going to live full. We are going to love deep. We are going to dream big. Come on, church. Come on, church. Your true identity is going to come out spiritually and physically. Okay? I don't know about you, but at first it was kind of hard for me to think about overturning worry through the limitless supply of God. I thought, but I don't have it yet. And God said to me the other day, well, what do you need for? And I'm like, I couldn't actually think because he always meets my needs according to his riches in glory. So that was kind of hard. Anyway, let's go over to Isaiah 34. And I want to say something about your swords. This is a verse of scripture that I found a while ago. If you're an intercessor, you love to be in the word. Huh? You've gone very quiet on me. <laughs> we could just have a prayer meeting, then I'd make you make noise. Isaiah 34 in the Amplified, verse 5. I was reading this one day, and it says, Because my sword has been bathed and equipped in heaven. And I thought about us using the word of God when the devil comes. You know, where's the battlefield? Put your hand on your head. It's up here, the thoughts that come, the thought patterns that get embedded. But you know what? We're called to be a blessing. We're called to see heaven come on earth. We're called to see the sick healed. When we go to Poland, the first thing we're going to do is heal the sick. That's the first thing. But there's coming a global influence that's actually phenomenal, actually I don't think we can, we can't really get it all yet. But then the word tells us in Ephesians 3.20, our eyes haven't seen even in our highest prayers. Uh, we haven't dreamed or thought or asked. Have you ever asked God, do you have anything else for my life? Have you? Come on, put your hand up, be honest. I have. I'm, I'm within 48 hours my job changed, and I began to work for Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager. And about a week or so ago, I was praying, and I was thinking, because the whole publishing world seems to be going off base. People aren't buying books. It's all digital. And I'm like, okay, and I've been turned down by six or seven places in America. And then all of a sudden, God's turned it again. And I'm like, God, do you have anything else for my life? 
You need to ask him, what do you have for my life? Show me. Make it really clear so that I can be a part of this global influence that's coming. You know, we're all a part of each other. Amazing, amazing time. Amazing time that we live in. So I didn't have a word as such, a word, but I kept hearing it over and over again, war. Now, in the New Testament, the war is mostly about the soul. It's what goes on here. And it's because of lust. And we live in a city that's known to be full of pride and lust. Okay? So the Bible teaches us to abstain. In fact, if you want to go to 1 Peter 2, 11, I've been studying it out. I'm not really ready to teach it, but they say that you have to have a message 50 times. At least Spurgeon said you have to have a message 50 times. I don't. But I'm going to tell you, have the word and have the spirit. Now look in First Peter 2.11. He's just got through saying you're chosen. And we've all been aware that I am chosen by I am. That's who I am. I'm chosen by him. Therefore, I can't be you, Mark, and you can't be me. I can't be you. You can't be me. So the fleshly emotions are ridiculous to have. It's silly to even go down there and be competitive. Because we're chosen. We're a chosen priesthood, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation. We're God's own purchased special people that we may set forth the wonderful deeds and the virtues and perfections of him who called you. I was brought up under two different ministries, actually. It was always Word and Spirit. And so I had Vicki Jameson. She just used to flow. And I mean, the whole atmosphere would be full of God. And you'd feel it before you even got close, let alone backstage. And then Billy Adams, who I worked for, who was one of Kenneth Copeland's first prayer coordinators, man, she would pray the word and it would be scary. When, when she first prayed, no weapon formed against you, I remember feeling actually scared. I felt all kinds of shivers inside me. And she would just pray the word. And I knew as a single parent, my life was very blessed to be under her. But, but I want to say that, you know, to set forth the wonderful deeds of God doesn't mean you have to go to heaven. But God will give you a revelation as you need it. We were talking yesterday, and Rod was, or the day before, about how he sat under Kenneth Hagen. And I said, I remembered going to a, a conference in California and the anointing was so strong on Kenneth Hagen that you could feel it walking by the hotel. You know, come on, church. We've got to be sensitive. We are bringing the atmosphere of God right here to Marylebone in the center of London or our blessed dungeon or the basement or Belgravia, wherever we go. Why should we get so hung up about a building? Of course we're going to have one. Of course there's going to be a bit of a battle. But I shared with you the scriptures last week from First Chronicles 12. Day by day, God is bringing men to us who are equipped, who are ready for war, who have a heart, who have others at their command. They come of one heart, and we're happy to go out and meet them. Anyway, you read for yourself First Chronicles 12. But... um. Here it says, uh, verse 10, let me jump a bit. Once you were not a people at all, and now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received mercy. 
But I make a lot of mistakes because I'm out there doing. I'm doing my best to do. Be a doer no matter what happens. To be instant in season. To be ready to face whatever I get in my plate and bring God glory. That I'm ever working on that. Ever working on that. But I know I have mercy. Now look at this in verse 11. Beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers and exiles in this world. You know, sometimes I think it's kind of hard to say that you're a stranger in this world. You're an exile in this world. I'm a stranger. You know, I think it was, well, the day Rod came up to Leicester, and uh, I left him at the station up here at 8.30, and I thought, oh, good, I'll just go and run some errands. So I ended up sitting outside Starbucks, which is closed now, and I thought, well, I'll go to Mark's, but it wasn't open till 9 or 9, nine o'clock, I think. So I had to wait, and I suddenly realized 9, 10, I'd been out there, I'd been in Selfridges, I'd been in Marks and Spencers, me on a Monday morning. And I'm suddenly realizing there's so many things out there that I wanted. So much I was, my eyes were seeing clothes and shoes and bags and stuff. And I thought, oh, bad girl. And he texts me, are you home yet? And I said, no, I'm not home yet. He always does that to me. No, I'm not home yet, <laughs> but I'm getting you coronation chicken. <laughs> That wasn't really the truth. Really, the truth was I was out there. My eyes were garping. My eyes were garping. And I put myself, and he says, Beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers. And then it made you ill, I think. And exiles in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, the evil desires, the passion of the flesh, your lower nature that wage war against the soul. Oh my gosh, did I have a rough day last week. Then I go home. I get. I do finally get home because I'm convicted. I can't, I can't be out here. I have no interest in all this stuff. Anyway, I've got plenty of stuff. I've got too much stuff. I'm ever giving it away and God gives me. But you have to abstain. You have to distance yourself. You see, This is an amazing word study I've been doing this morning. I told Ron I didn't really want to come to church this morning. I was having such a good time in the word, I wanted to stay there. P-A-R-A-K-E-L-E-O. It means the one who has something so important to say that comes alongside you. That's the Holy Spirit in our life. He has something really important to say to you. See, we are to have a warrior mentality. You know, even if you're a worshipper, you've got to be a warring worshipper. It's no good just being a lover of good without understanding you're a stranger in this world and there are people and hostilities and things out to get you. And abstain is a big word. Distancing yourself from things that are not holy, is a big deal. Why do you do that? Because you have a war. What does it say here? That wage war against the soul. There is a war that goes on. You know, if I go and I put myself in the middle of how I used to be 30, 40, 50 years ago, 
My soul starts warring. It's extraordinary. What am I saying? I'm saying that when we come to church and there's an anointing, you get ready to receive it. Don't come up, don't come up warring and, and uh, praying in tongues then, chewing gum then. You know, do me a favor. Come up hungry and pulling. Because there are people that really got zapped last week. I don't know who you were and I don't remember where I was. But some people really got zapped by the Holy Spirit. Okay? I can begin to feel when we step into it. But it's for each and every one of us. I want you to put your hand on the person next to you and I want you to pray a blessing on them because we are a chosen tribe. We are heading into this city, great city of London in the music, in the media. Lord, I thank you for change. I thank you for equipping us. I thank you that we abstain from the things of this world. We don't have to outdress each other, outdrive each other, outlive each other. We just have to yield. You have the most amazing, wonderful plan. And I welcome you. I welcome you. Just welcome the Holy Spirit to come alongside you, to help you. Welcome him. Welcome him. Welcome him. He's chosen you. He wants to come alongside you. He wants to call and beckon to you to go this way. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We want heaven in our midst. That's what we want. We know we each have foes, different foes, but we welcome, we welcome this warfare that's coming, spiritual warfare, because you're good. And we're going to stay focused and we're going to stand firm no matter what. We're not going to be moved. We're not going to be moved. We're not going to be moved. I mean, Peter says here, beloved, I implore you. That's like begging, beseeching. He's begging them. He's saying to them, this is really important. I want you to get God as close. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's going to lead you to the right job, to the right home, to the right car, to the right... He he knows. Sometimes it's quite extraordinary how quickly he does it. And other times it's like, seems like, when's this trial going to be over? But all I know is I've been taught by the Holy Ghost how to yield, how to learn, how to have my sword bathed. You will never go beyond your knowledge of the word. Okay? There's a wonderful feeling growing in this family, in this church, in what we're called to do. There's a wonderful feeling coming for every one of us to be healed, to be made whole. So if you need a breakthrough, just just put your hands up. Just receive it. Just receive it. We break into. We break into these places of greatness. We thank you. We just thank you so much. We're not. We're not going to stay in depression. We're not going to despair of breaking through into faith. We're not going to despair of it. He teaches my hands to war. Psalm 18, verse 34. Psalm 144, verse 1. My fingers to fight. He teaches you. 
See, once you get it settled, and, and I'm not saying you haven't. Maybe some of you haven't. I'm just reminding you. We can't get beyond the basics of understanding the name is above every name. You're the one that gets to say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I desire the blessing of God. You're the one who makes a decision to yield and to step over and to speak out the prophetic word or to sing the prophetic word. You're the one, okay? God gives to each one to choose this day. What will you, what will you do? Choose, you know? Choose. So... Um, I'm just going to finish with this because I was thinking about war and I was thinking about heaven and I was thinking about our hands and our fingers and I was thinking about the war horses, how they take 14 years to train, how they, if they back up, they don't retreat, they crush everything, everything under their feet. I mean, that's a warrior. Okay. But I was riding down here. Psalm 110, verse 2, which I know this, where Jesus says, David says, to rule in the midst of your foes. Rule. I mean rule. Stand firm. Just stand firm. What difference somebody freaks out in the hospital ward? I went into hospital ward one Saturday night where Rod was, and... Man, it was full of demons. They were all screaming. I thought, my God, get this man out of here. You know. Get us out, Lord. But the Lord has us there to be shining lights, to radiate, to radiate and radiate and radiate and help the poor nurses. My goodness me. Rule in the midst of your foes, Psalm 110. So... Then I went over to Mark eleven twenty three to 25. And remember those passages where he says, speak, let's go there and we'll finish up with that. Speak to your mountains. It's a, it's a famous faith verse, which um, anybody who's grown up in the faith world, Jesus said in verse 22, have faith in God constantly. You're warring. I don't know what you're warring about or against. I don't know what you're agitated or anxious about. But just welcome God. Welcome God. Welcome God. Welcome God. Welcome God. You know, I wrote some things down for this month. And one of the things I loved, I'm just going to read it because I think you'll appreciate this, Anne, is... In Luke 2.37, there was a widow of 84 years. She, <clears throat> she did not go out from the temple enclosure, but was worshipping night and day, fasting and praying. Let me tell you something. There are some things that won't shift unless you fast and pray. There are some things in this war that won't shift except by fasting and praying. Do you understand? There's some things that are going to require you <clears throat> to have a little bit of effort and input. There's some things, you know, you don't realize you can be afraid that not enough people in the church are going to help or we can be negative. You know, we're a family. We've got to help each other. If we want to become a really ace team, 
we have to know our goal is to see London changed. And if London's going to change, so is the UK. And if the UK is going to change, the whole world is going to change. And we can do it. We can, we, we can do it. We can do it with prayer. We can do it with worship. We can do it with sound. Don't think for a moment that your prayers are not significant. Because I've watched for time and time and time again how people have come to places where they've kind of hit a brick wall. And then you think, now what? Listen, Stacey, you just pray one more time. You say, I'm the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm going to sing and my voice is going to be heard in this world, the whole world. I'm going to be a global influence. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be backed off that. Okay? I was kind of encouraged this week because uh, Cindy had read my book. And like I said, it's been turned down. And really, my whole life, really, the last 30 years of my life, I've been writing this darn thing with the anointing. And I've been getting up. My family has sacrificed. You know, sacrifice does release power. I know you're nearly on the edge of your seat, some of you. But I just want to say, let's just lean over this morning. Let's just press in. Let's just say, I am not going to be thwarted. I am going to use my sword, and my sword is going to be bathed and dipped in heaven. Come on. It's not by accident Simon's here today. It's not by accident any of us are here. It's not by accident we're getting an anointing from heaven. It's not by, you know, you didn't just happen to come, oh, I'll go this week, because this week I can make it. No, we're here because wherever we go, God goes with us, and God has drawn us here for victory, like there's been a curse on your whole family. And suddenly you just slash it and break it. And you break out. You break out of it. You say, I'm done with this. I'm not going to be afraid at all. I was mentioning God was asking me, are you going to speak this week? And I said, no, I'm happy for him to because I shared last week kind of spontaneously. Listen to this in Philippians 1.27 when I told him about fear. He's my walking concordance. It says, only be sure of citizens, Philippians 1.27, as citizens. You have to tell yourself, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. Tell yourself, I'm a citizen of heaven. Only be sure of citizens of heaven to conduct yourselves, that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I do come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of this, that you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel. And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. Every one of us in the church begins to walk with our sword bathed in heaven, obedient to God, not frightened for a moment by our mother, our father, our relatives, anybody. I've had people tell me they're intimidated by me. Listen, I didn't choose to walk in the power of God. God chose me. And so I want it to be displayed. 
I want every one of you to be touched and I want you to feel when you talk to people, when you work with people, whatever you're doing, that they get touched like that. That was so great. It, it, it did something to me knowing that this is God's God in hand. He knows the foes of my, my household. You know. And Lord, I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice that they will go to war, that they will rise up, that they won't need prodding and pushing and prompting and whatever it is, if it's a war of putting the chairs out and the set-up team, Father, people will be ready. I thank you that we're ready for war. We're ready to rule in the midst of our foes. Come on, we are ready. We are so ready in Jesus' name. God is the way maker and he makes a way where there isn't one. And as you ask him, make a way for me. We're getting teaching upon teaching upon teaching. Come on, let's start moving out in the spirit. What can we do? I want you to stand up. It's just wonderful songs that we're singing. War is, it's not really a mental thing, but it does come and hit you in the mind. And I, my prayer for you this, this time is that you will start, I know this is crazy, but I pray that even the way your cortex, your, the way you think about things will change. Deep within you, you know, put your hand on your own head, you're anointed. <laughs> or put your hand on somebody else's. And you just say, Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name. I'm changing. The way I'm thinking about life is changing. That this is a word fitly spoken for me. Lord, that I will rule in the midst of my own life, house. In Jesus' name. I will change and be changed. I will. I will. I will leave here strengthened and altered and ready to become a global influence. Oh, praise be to Lord, my We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.